Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football is back on Thursday night. Fantasy Sports Today is here. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia, we break it all down for you and talk about whether the wrong team is favored in the NFL. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the show. And we are here every day, noon to 2 Eastern, right here on FNTSY Radio. Craig and Joe with you uh, talking fantasy football, talking some baseball, talking some NBA, college basketball, whatever is on the mind. We certainly will get to it. Our producer, as always, is Sean Guastamacchia as we head toward the fantasy football playoffs. Just a couple of weeks left, 12, 13 for a lot of you. That means it is do or die time, Joe. And certainly the injury report came out yesterday. We learned a couple of players potentially would be out. Kind of hard to dive in this week. Honestly, I was looking at the waiver wire. And if you didn't get a couple of the top guys, you're basically throwing darts, I feel like this week. But uh, we got a good game tonight. We'll get to that as well. Yeah, we do. I mean, this is, I think, a playoff game tonight. I'm looking at this game as I think there's only room for one team from the AFC South this year, and I think it's going to be the winner of this one. I really do. I just think uh, the Texans need to figure out this line. It's been inconsistent all year. Started off atrocious, then it got better. Then last week, we had six more sacks on Winston in that game against Baltimore. Now, granted, Baltimore's pass rush has been very good, but that's a problem. I and mean, you, you've made you you made acquisitions at the beginning of the year with Tunsil. You're trying to fortify that line. It didn't work right away. They started to play better as a unit. And really, they this is a team all year that I'm I'm still waiting for that monstrous takeover of DeAndre Hopkins. And I don't know. I don't know if they're just not giving him the ball enough. I don't know if it's just a matter of they're trying not to be one-dimensional. But if you're in this game tonight and you're the Texans, you're at home. I think you have to continuously just feed and feed and feed DeAndre Hopkins. I think that is the way to win this football game. You let your best players do work. And they don't have a guy on the other side right now as good as him. There's a, you know, you'll go to Indianapolis sideline. There's not somebody as talented as DeAndre Hopkins on that sideline. They've got injuries to Marlon Mack. Jacoby Brissett's not 100%. T.Y. Hilton's not 100%. They're going with a running back by committee approach. So, Craig, to me, if Hopkins can have a transformative game, they win this game. And if he doesn't, if he has another ho-hum contest, I think Houston's going to be on the outside looking in the playoffs. Do you think this game is as dramatic as I do tonight? Yeah, I I think I saw a stat earlier this morning that said that the winner of this game has an 80% chance to win the division and the loser uh, 20%, and that means the playoffs in the NFL as well. So uh, really tough one to call. We'll we'll have a final opinion on it coming up a little bit later in the show for sure, but I do think that we could be headed for a good one tonight. The total actually at 45 tells me that some points could be scored in this game as well. Uh, My main concern in this game is isn't really so much on the Houston side, Joe. It is on the Indy side where Vinatieri has just basically failed to kick any big uh, field goals. I, I take it back. He did kick a, one big field goal this year, but 
uh, with with a line of three or three and a half. That is a concern for me. And I am a bigger Colts fan than I am Houston. Very against Houston all season long. And and they started to prove me wrong. And then they kind of went back the other way here. But uh, I do fear in a very short spread, a very close line that you're going to need your kicker. And that's why I like Jacksonville's kicker and uh, you know Carolina's kicker and a couple of the other guys, Butker. I mean, some of these guys just basically don't miss field goals, Tucker. But this uh, Vinatieri situation, I think, is going to is going to uh, cost them at some point again. And I hope it is not tonight, but we will see uh, on the Pittsburgh side of the ball. That's the other team that's kind of fighting with these guys, Joe, for the final playoff spot, potentially in the AFC. A couple of weeks ago, it looked really good for them. And then they lost and haven't really looked good here in in back to back games. James Conner looks like he's going to be out again for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then we found out yesterday that Juju Smith-Schuster, Joe, is definitely not going to play this week, a concussion and some other injuries as well. And I suppose looking back on it now, it's probably, it was a lot easier to see, hey, you don't have Antonio Brown by your side. You got to be the guy. It's going to be a lot tougher. But injuries have also creeped up with Juju. And no doubt, when you lose the caliber of a starting, starting quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, and you're not turning it over to Jeff Driscoll or Kyle Allen for a few weeks, this Mason Rudolph really ended up costing Juju a big season. Yeah, he absolutely did. And Connor was, I think, a risky asset no matter what, because you did see the workload of Connor last year kind of catch up with him at times. And I, I think Connor's very talented. I'm not trying to knock him. He seems like a fantastic guy, too. But in terms of fantasy asset, when you have to put your fantasy cap on and figure out what these guys are, I think Connor was a guy that was not a perfect asset. And there were a lot of people that liked him more than Chubb. A lot of people liked him more than Fournette. A lot of people who liked him more than Dalvin Cook, even. And I couldn't get there personally. I just, I did not see it. I didn't understand it. I think it was just people getting, just falling in love with that Pittsburgh offense. But this is a, this is a real important game here again. I mean, they, they're all such for the Steelers, but the fact that the Steelers are actually even playing games that have implications, I think is a credit to Mike Tomlin because this is a team that I kind of left for dead after Roethlisberger. I thought they're done, but that defense is really rallied around and they have a winnable game here against the Bengals. I understand it's on the road. But the Bengals defense is absolutely terrible. The question is, can Ryan Finley make enough plays? And can this new trend of Joe Mixon, who has really, when you look at Mixon's game log since the Dalton switch, you're getting a ton of Joe Mixon action. And really, that's the way this offense should be running anyway. It takes a little pressure off the defense, too. So we'll see what happens here. The Steelers basically have to win this game on defense. And the Bengals basically have to win this game on offense because the, <laughs> the other units are are kind of pathetic. And if you're looking forward here for next year, too, Craig, I'm curious. If I told you James Conner right now, what's your opinion of him? Is he an RB2 in your mind? Or is yeah, he still strong, okay. strong with strong uh, RB2. with Roethlisberger? Yes, with Roethlisberger. Absolutely. And okay. and I would back him up with Benny Snell. Like I, I thought at the beginning of the season, that was one. You know, honestly, the rookies that I thought that would be good have been disappointing to me. The guys that I took in my dynasty league late round guys, uh, Snell and Isabella. I mean, those are the two guys that in my uh, dynasty league I had. And I did not taxi squad either of them. I had that ability to, to hold them mm -hmm. for an extra year. But I thought at some point I could use them this year. I was going into a season, Joe, where I thought I was going to have a good year. I was completely wrong. Um, you know, I had Evan Engram going into the year. I thought, okay, I got a solid tight end in my dynasty league. I had the best. Yeah, his injuries have really been terrible. Yeah, that, I, that's I mean, a guy that really could you help You go into that a position. fantasy season in a dynasty league and I say I have the best uh, running back tandem in the NFL in fantasy, and I give you the names Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson in a dynasty league, you're like, whoa, you're going to have a great year. No, <laughs> it just nope. didn't work out that way. And uh, David Johnson, my, one of my big uh, overpriced busts that I can't do anything with. So uh, that's the way the ball bounces, as they say sometime. And as we say on Fantasy Sports Today, we got a lot to get to here on the show. So 
want you to stay tuned. Coming up next, it is the opening drive as we will talk about some things outside of football and some inside as well. You want to stay tuned for that as well. A quick programming reminder for those of you who listen to us every single day. Uh, I will be back tomorrow from 12 to 2 Eastern hosting this show and uh, recapping the Thursday night game with Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Joe and I will be on this show 12 to 2 Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. Next week is, of course, Thanksgiving. So over on Zumo TV and Pluto TV and all the places where you can catch Sports Grid TV, you can catch our Thursday Thanksgiving morning pregame show where we will help you out with sports betting and fantasy and everything else that you want to pay attention to next Thursday on Sports Grid TV. But in terms of FNTSY Radio, we have the Thursday and Friday off. And then Joe and I will be back for uh, the following Monday as we recap the Thanksgiving football weekend. All right, quick time out here on FST Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish on Twitter at Craig Mish. Joe Pizzapi on Twitter at Joe Pizzapi 17 The opening drive is coming up next. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. And it is time for the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today on this Thursday, November 21st, 2019. Craig and Joe back with you here on the show. I've been watching a lot of college basketball lately to go along with my NFL and my college football and eh, not so much NBA, but now Major League Baseball. We'll get to that here in a second. And one of the more interesting stories that has taken hold of the sports world, Joe, not just uh, you know the standard. This is like a big national story at this point. James Wiseman, one of the uh, great young kids who was playing college basketball in Memphis a couple of years ago, was uh, was given money by his head coach, Penny Hardaway, to help him move uh, because Penny Hardaway was a booster at the time, considered a booster because he gave money to the school. They are adding 11 game suspension to Wiseman. And really, a lot of people have a hard time with this one in the fact that Wiseman's going to have to donate all of this money to charity as well. Uh, It's really become a big story, Joe. And uh, they basically said based on case precedent, the circumstances, and other mitigating factors, whatever those are. Uh, really, really sad story here to see where this kid Wiseman, I don't know where he's supposed to come up with this money. I guess when he gets to the NBA, he'll have it, but uh, you know, the NCAA just continues to make these decisions that people don't seem to have to see. They do seem to have a problem with. Yeah, I mean, this has always been a very tricky thing. This is why I don't watch college basketball. I told you. I, I got so disenfranchised being involved in the underbelly of it for two years that I I just have such a distaste for it all. 
and the situations that these kids are in and how they get taken advantage of a lot of times. Now, look, we all know at the end of the day, you can't take any money, which is funny because I was just watching a couple of days ago, the Eric Dickerson football life was on and the SMU scandal and all that stuff where they got the death penalty at that at that college for many years where they basically had no football program and they had to, you know, they lost everything there because they were buying these guys cars and giving these, guys, you know, payouts and all this stuff. But in some of these situations where these kids are literally, you know, parents are in, in destitute situations or families in awful situations and these kids are out there and they, they can't go pro out of college, out of high school anymore. They put this rule in where you have to play, was it one year, right? You have to play minimum yes, one year in college yes, now? you have to play, yeah. I don't know what they expect from these kids to do. Uh, sometimes they're in these bad situations and they need money and somebody doesn't want them to leave the team or leave the situation. But these colleges want to make money off them. So what's the solution here, Craig? Do you think this was the right solution or do you think this that- doesn't seem fair to this to this kid? I mean, maybe maybe some sort of suspension if that's what they're going to do. But they're making him pay money back that he doesn't have said 11 games. I, the paying the money back. I don't understand at all. I don't understand how you expect that kid to do that. Like, no, how, there's how no that money. There's, I mean, a lot of these kids don't come from money. And, and even if you want to be cynical about it and say that they're getting paid to play, it's still it's still ridiculous. Look, the NCAA at least finally uh, came out a few weeks ago and said that they're going to be able to uh, pay the, the players in, the, in football for right. their likeness being used. And I would assume that in basketball, hopefully that can happen as well in the future. But I suppose, look, a lot of these kids only play the one year and then they're done and then they go to the NBA and that's it. And even if they're, you know, there's there's a, a very high attrition rate in the NBA because these kids think that they can make it and they don't succeed. There's only two rounds in the NBA draft. So, and this is why I don't understand why more young black athletes don't go towards baseball. There's a lot longer shelf life as a physical athlete and a lot longer shelf life as a professional athlete if you can make it in baseball. And I understand it's difficult because you know you're growing up in spots where there's not a lot of open fields, a lot of you know it's not the cool sport to play. You also it's expensive to play. You need equipment, you need gloves, you need bats, you know all that stuff. I get it. But when you're looking at these fantastic athletes that Major League Baseball has lost over the last generation, I know they have the RBI program, but man, if if I, if I was a young inner city athlete, I would certainly be saying, look, I can go play double A, triple A. I can be back and forth in the Major League, get all the guaranteed money. Whereas the shelf life in the NBA, I mean, there's only a couple guys that, you know, 12 guys on a team, you know, <laughs> like, it's very difficult that way. All right, let's move on to second down here. Major League Baseball, they set their 40-man rosters for all Major League teams, which means that they're going to be uh, – there's a Rule 5 draft coming up in a couple of weeks. If you don't know what the term Rule 5 is, years players who are in the organization for five years have to be protected one way or the other, and a couple of guys are left off that. Not a huge surprise yesterday. Here where I am in South Florida, the Marlins parted ways with Wei-Yin Chen, who was one of their bigger busts, maybe their biggest franchise bust, uh, unfortunately, in history as Chen – uh, just struggled through a lot of injuries and was overpaid and was just given a massive contract uh, and, and did not succeed almost at any level. The Yankees made some news yesterday by designating Jacoby Ellsbury for assignment. I would not expect Ellsbury to have any reality or fantasy relevance ever again. I don't even know if he'll ever play again. But the interesting name of a guy that he was let go by the Yankees, they just basically, I suppose, uh, became frustrated just with all the health issues, Joe, is Greg Bird, who two years ago absolutely destroyed spring training and was taken in the first 10 to 15 rounds of every fantasy draft. It didn't work out. Nobody was back in on him this year. That just didn't happen. He was too banged up. But I'm going to guess, Joe, that first of all, the Yankees know more about Bird than anybody else. So before I start to say that some team is going to get him and he's going to hit 30 home runs, let's also use that as these guys are not stupid. If they thought that Bird was healthy and good, they would not just let him go completely. But my guess is that the door will open for him somewhere else, Joe, maybe in the American League or where I am here in Miami, where there's, there's a big uh, Yankee contingent. But I hope Bird gets another chance because he certainly showed a lot in the postseason a few years ago. It's just health is just a major concern right. with him. Well, I think if you're a team like the Marlins, this is exactly the kind of player you take a shot on, right? Because he's not going to cost you too much. You get a one-year deal on a show-me deal. You plug him in there first base as a defender. He's okay. I mean, I, I don't. that to me makes a ton of sense. And the other thing that makes sense is the opposite of the spectrum where teams that are paying a lot – 
looking for cost-effective players that they might be able to plug in and get something out of. We just talked about how there's the hole over at first base for the Red Sox right now. And we talked about maybe a guy like Smoke. Well, if you don't even want to pay that much, maybe a guy like Greg Bird can be that kind of guy. And that's, to me, that's the, it's a wide spectrum. But I think that's the kind of places that will, he will end up. He'll either be a cost saver on a bad team or a cost saver on a very expensive team. And you'll see what you can get out of it. He's flashed some out. Look, when you go back and you look at the track record of Greg Bird, a lot of his best work came in Yankee Stadium. So if you are the, the Red Sox, let's say, you look at that and go, all right, well, maybe we put this kid in Fenway Park. We can get some productivity out of him, make him a platoon player, whatever it is, and get the best out of it. I mean, they've basically done that with Mitch Moreland in the last couple of years, and it's pretty much worked out for them. It's been all right. It hasn't been great, but it's been okay. And the Ellsbury thing, you know, this was a great player who had so many injuries, so many freak injuries and weird injuries too, you know, running into stuff and breaking wrists and, and all kinds of stuff. And they're eating $26 million on this, Craig. I mean, geez, and uh, <laughs> that's a lot of money to be eating, and I get it. But I guess it was time. Man, oh, man, that's a lot of money beaten. The Marlins are eating $22 million on Chen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Is that the right call, or do you just hope you get something out of him? You no, I mean, no? they tried last year. It didn't work. And, and he was a pretty good pitcher in Baltimore. I mean, he was a nice he was. They just over, they back-end just, pitcher. You know, the owner got involved and, and gave him a bunch of money. But in terms of Bird, a good indication will be in the next seven days. Because designating for assignment means that some team could swoop in and offer the Yankees something. So they don't get nothing out of this and if and if no team offers anything for greg bird that means that he's going to get signed to a team to a minor league deal that's a hundred percent no matter how, even if they pay him a million dollars it will be a minor league deal so uh keep an eye he's on young that. enough to do that i think that, that he's worth that speculation for some organization i don't think he's going away that's for sure He'll no he's not but if no one trades for him that just basically tells you all you really need to know i mean he's a minor league player then at that point he's going to start the season in the minors with someone if no one trades for him which you know he's got to go through 30 teams miami being one of them but uh, my guess is Bird does not get traded for and gets a uh, you know minor league invitation to spring training with a guaranteed half a million or a million, and then he'll have to play well in the minors to get back to the major. All right, speaking of having to play well, who could play well for the Patriots this week at wide receiver? Dorsett and Sanu both did not practice. I would ask Joe, is there anyone left to catch the ball in New England at this point? They are really getting to desperate times. Uh, they, I read some other reports that are saying that, at least from Sanu's standpoint, they expect him to play. But man, the Patriots are really thin on offense. When have we said that in the last decade? They are. They are very thin on offense. I mean, I've been saying it all year. That's why I was so excited when AB showed up into town, because I thought, oh, here's the answer to all of our problems. We haven't had a weapon like this since Randy Moss. And the last time we had that, it was 50 touchdowns for Tom Brady. And uh, they are hurting right now. They are hurting bad. And there's no <clears throat> there's no in-house solution here. Even if they're all healthy, it's still an okay group of receivers, still an okay group of running backs. James White is, I feel like they have to kind of step up the productivity of James White. That's the answer here. Edelman's always going to be Edelman. James White has had some moments here, but he hasn't had great games. He hasn't had a lot of touchdowns, so that's the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for James White to step up this weekend against that Cowboys defense. That's the guy, I think, that has to kind of have a big game for them to have a success against the Cowboys at home this weekend. All right, and um, fourth down, this one's for you. Amelia Clark of Game of Thrones <laughs> says that everyone's <laughs> offering her jobs to get naked, and she's not falling for it. Just thought I would mention that. Good for I, her. I know you're. I, know you're I read this fan. already yesterday. I did see this because I get all the Game of Thrones things on. Well, because she said that she was... Uh, you know, this was like basically her first job. You know, she'd been like one one other movie set before in her whole life before she got. She was basically fresh out of drama school. So imagine like your first job is on the biggest series potentially ever. And, you know, there were some things in there where she just did it and because she felt uncomfortable, but she did the nudity anyway. And it's a personal choice. And you don't always have to do that. And I think a good director, you know, understands when nudity is appropriate and necessary and when it's not and when it's gratuitous. And let's be honest, first couple seasons of Game of Thrones, it was a little gratuitous, but it was the world they created. And I guess got a lot of people talking. So there you go. But Amelia Clark. Good for you. You stand up for your principles. You don't have to be naked anymore. You're the Queen of Dragons, damn it. She was until the end. 
All right, let's take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today. We'll be back with more after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, where listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Make a deposit. Place your first bet. DraftKings is going to match it. 50% bonus up to $500. Got to make sure that you go and head on over to DraftKings. It's a risk-free bet of up to $200. Go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. You got to be in New Jersey to take advantage of this offer. Call 1-800-GAMBLER if you have a gambling problem and eligibility restrictions apply to the website. All right, it is time to dive into some of the games in the NFL this week and ask the question, is the wrong team favored in the NFL? Last week, indeed, uh, there were a couple of teams that the wrong team was favored. One in particular, the Washington Redskins, how they were ever favored in a game. I don't know that the Redskins will be favored in the game over the next year let alone last week against the Jets. But uh, those days of, of catching points with the Redskins are gone, and we'll dive deeper into the game tonight. But at least let's get our first initial opinion on this one, Joe. Tonight in Houston, where the division could be on the line, the Texans, according to Vegas, are getting very little respect at home, almost none, basically saying that there is no advantage for them whatsoever in this game, only a half point, because the home team is always minus three, no matter what. They automatically give that. The line opened up at about six, went to five, four. It's now down to three and a half. The total has gone up to 46 points. Is the wrong team favored tonight, Joe, with Houston minus three and a half against the Colts? It's a great question. It really is. The Texans this year are three and three uh when it comes to away games they're three and one at home but they haven't played well at home this year i know they have the wins but if you watch those games you go back and look at them and you look at how much they won by it's not great uh on conversely the colts on the road this year are two and two so they've gone out there and i think usually a 500 record that's what you want you want to play well at home and you want to be a team that can at least split and be 500 on the road and the colts have done that and the other intriguing thing is you go and you look about points for and points against the totals of colts games are significantly less than the totals of Texans games. So this is a, a fascinating matchup from that sense. I think the wrong team is favored because I think the Colts play better on the line, on the offensive line. I think they play better in the linebacking core right now. And I feel like those spots, if you if you can win the matchup on the line, and the defensive line, the offensive line, I think that you're going to win football games that way. So I think the wrong team is favored. Do you think the wrong team is favored here? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I, think I, the I don't the like, I don't like Houston um, at all. But the odds are just seem to be stacked against the Colts now. And I'm not saying that Marlon Mack is but how often have we been there back. this year and said that? I well, feel, I feel and, like that's the and, and by the way, you know, they haven't looked nearly as good as they did in the first few weeks, even though they played a lot of close games. They got a kicker again at the end of a game. You're, Joe, no, you're that, right. That, that, you're, that's that. That's got to factor in here. Now, look, give uh, Texans five, six point favorites. I'm on the Colts. No doubt. It, it's just that is a is a major factor for me. The game could be tied. And, you know, the Colts are on the 30-yard line of Houston with three minutes to go. 
Vinatieri could miss a field goal. Texans get the ball, come back, kick a field goal, game over. And, and he's I missed can't, five field goals and six extra points. It's this too year. much for me. It's too, and I hate to use the kicker as the reason why. But no, I, but I, in I a have three to point, do it. Also, half, why wouldn't you use it? Also, I would feel much better about the Colts tonight. In, in fact, it would maybe even be a pass for me tonight if I knew T.Y. Hilton was going to play. But it, it, it's just, I mean, Marlon Mack is also out. I know Jonathan Williams had a good game last week, but do we really know a lot about him yet? He's only played in one game. Yeah, they will block. They will block for Brissett for sure, and they seem to block for whoever's at running back for the Colts too. But I don't know, man. Home team on Thursday night. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a known. I quantity. feel like the Colts is the underdog. Every time they're the underdog, they show up. Good be. I don't, look, I don't like off, Houston they, they at all. Up. I just think that I think Indy's up against it. You're, yeah, it, you you have a lot of logic in there. The only logic I'm bringing to this is the fact that. Every time in 2019, we've seen the Colts are their back against the wall where they should not win a football game. Those are the games they win. And then the games where they should have it in, in lockstep, yeah, yeah. They, they should theoretically beat the Raiders at home. They don't. <laughs> so that's, it's, the, it's, that's they're, they're, they're not a hard team to figure, but they also don't put teams away, which where the kicker no, comes, they don't. comes in. Right. Right. All right. Broncos at the Bills. The Bills are minus three and a half in this one. I know players get up for games. I mean, man, Denver is out of it. They're going nowhere. They were they were winning big last week. I, there's a lot of people who feel like Denver's going to play close again with Buffalo just because of their game script. But I don't know. That was out the window in the second half of last week's game where Cousins came aligned. Josh, Josh Allen's playing some good football here. But let's dive in. Wrong team favorite. Bills minus three and a half. I think the Bills are starting to roll a little bit now. I, I think Josh Allen's feeling real confident. I feel like he is taking the reins of this offense now. And the last couple of weeks, you really see. I know they came out of the bye and they struggled in the first half of that Miami game. But ever since, I feel like he has basically put him on his shoulders and he's been confident. And you could see that confidence kind of spilling over and it's spilling over into fantasy totals too. So I think the right team is favored here. I think the bills at home, um, if this was in Denver, I would feel differently about it because Denver's always historically a tough place to play. And now the Broncos defense has been good, but they collapsed in the second half of that game. Back-to-back road games for the Broncos. Don't love that. It's going to be cold in Buffalo. I'm going to go with the bills here. I do think the right team is favored. What do you it think? Feel, right? It feels right. It feels right. Road dogs always you know, hitting this year. It feels right. If I would probably wait to see if I could get Denver at four. But I, I look, I mean, the Bills, they beat the Dolphins. They didn't look good the weeks before that. I, I don't think Buffalo's as good as advertised, but they should be able to beat Denver. Secondary is very good. Quarterbacks played well. Receivers have played pretty good. I think they. I think I think you have to look at them as a favorite. And, and I and I want to commend Brandon Allen for doing what he's done because he's kept them competitive. But Fangio always seems to find a way to, for some reason, he makes some weird decisions in games or some weird play calls and things like that happen over his watch, however you want to call it. And at the end of the day, they end up always losing these close games. So I, I think Buffalo is the favorite here, and I think they should be. All right. The world is on the Jets again this week. I, well, I, I don't know why, but they are. I mean, this is one of the more popular picks this week. Raiders minus three at New York. Um, I, I, you know, I, I cannot fall back into the trap again with the Jets. I, I, they, I think that this is a big overreaction to beating Washington. And so... Look, by Sunday, I may change my mind on this, but I just I cannot take the Jets. I'm, I'm going to have to side with the Raiders here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we have sat here for the last month talking up the Raiders. How are we going to how are we going to screw them now? by all of a sudden saying, no, they're going to go and they're going to lose to the Jets. I know they have to travel. I get it. But you know what? This is a team. Again, they confidence is building. They're a young team. They're hungry. They can smell the playoffs here. I feel like they're starting to believe in themselves here. And the Jets are not a good football team. Sam Donald continues to make mistakes. Le'Veon Bell is not 100%. He's playing through it. Um, you know, they're limited in what they can do defensively. That's for sure. I know they've had some moments in these games, but look, they've, they played against Haskins last week. The week before, it was against the Giants. So I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. Raiders are favored. They should be. I understand they're on the road, but I don't see how the Jets win this football game. 
All right, uh, we got the Bucks at the Falcons. Atlanta's minus four. Two weeks ago, if I would have said to you, Atlanta's going to be a favorite in an NFL game, you would have said, you're nuts. I would have. And that's how I feel about this. I think the wrong team is favored here, Joe. I don't think Atlanta should be favored over anyone. I know they've played well over the last couple of weeks. But if Winston has taught us anything, it's that you bet on Winston the week after he has a horrible game because something just goes in this guy's head to say, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. I I like the Bucks this week, getting the points. I want to bring this conversation over. I was on Gabe's show yesterday, and um, we were talking about, you know, when you see it, some one off something happened then next week there's that gross overreaction to it you know as go oh you know they're good right now <laughs> well but here you go but now this is two weeks so when do you start buying into the falcons after this defense? week yeah so it's that's, three for you yeah three well, I, charm for you yeah yeah i mean it's after this week yeah yeah i would say week. i'm already buying into this one with the falcons being the favorite simply because if the defense is going to play better and they got four picks out of josh allen I think they get four picks out of Winston, and that's enough picks, I think, to solidify this game for them as the favorite. Okay. Yeah, I don't see it the same way at all. That's fair. I, I'm not totally going to. Yeah, I'm not going to look at uh, one week in the NFL and think I'm not. I'm looking at. I'm looking at eight quarters of football where they haven't given up an offensive touchdown. Yeah, it, I don't, that's I don't a lot. Yeah. You know, I didn't buy it last week, and I trolled them hard. I went against the Falcons last week with DJ Moore, uh, with you know, with Kyle Allen. I still cashed, but it did, it was not a good play in retrospect, even though it cashed. It was not great. I cashed because of other things because Michael Thomas was brilliant and other things. So I'm just saying now I'm a little bit of a believer because I, I did exactly what you're saying, which is now nah, don't buy into it. It's a one off. And then after it's a two off, I don't know if it becomes a three off here. <laughs> you have to pick up the Falcons defense uh, right now. Uh, my favorite pick of the week last week was the Falcons. I you're right. That, that was it. Took them in every contest and every play. But that's when they were getting five and a half, not given four. That's the difference. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Lions minus three and a half at the Redskins. There's no possible way I would take Washington. So I don't like Detroit. I don't like laying points with a bad team against any team. Detroit does not deserve to be favorites in any game either. But there's just simply no way I could take Washington. Can't do it. So <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to take Detroit and move on. But I don't like it. And I can't and, even spend much more time on this because I just feel like you just said it all. It's, it's, there's nothing, it's there's nothing to say. You have only one choice in this game, which is take the Lions or do nothing. I think. Okay, Jaguars. Nothing. <laughs> That's the better play. I, I, really I think it is. Jaguars at Titans. Boy, this is an interesting one here because uh, Foles is back. Tannehill is back. Uh, well, Tannehill's playing well. You would expect that maybe this is a different looking Jags Titans game than we've seen in a while. Jags can't seem to stop anybody. Titans are giving up some points. They're scoring some points. Maybe this is an exciting game, Joe. I mean, maybe this is a 27 21 game between these two teams, which almost never happens. But I feel good enough to say. Uh, that I think it could be exciting. I'm really disappointed with the way the Jaguars have played lately, but I could see them getting up for this one. I don't know. You think the wrong team is favored here with Tennessee? You know, I thought they were going to get up for last week. I thought last week was I know, the game but where it's they one smelled week blood in Indianapolis, on. and then they, yeah, but you know, they're going on the road again, and I know it was the first game back, and I, they got imbalanced. They got a little happy that Nick Foles was back, and they threw the football too much, and they got away from what they do best, which is run the football. So you're expecting the overcorrection. If you expect the overcorrection, I think you're expecting an under here. I know what you're saying is, you know, I feel like you, you, some of these games you look at and you go, man, this could end up being a 31-33 kind of I game. Think so. you know, I think so. It, I think so. I think it's going to be a lot of it points could. in this one. I have a feeling on this I, one. I'll yeah. tell you what. I will say I think the wrong team's favored because I think this is a straight-up pick em. As As my good friend and Black Book colleague says, isn't Titans-Jaguars just the automatic Thursday night game? Shouldn't this always be flexed to Thursday? If there's a game that feels like Thursday night football, it's always the Jaguars-Titans. That's the one, and I agree. Yeah. It, it just feels like I, Thursday I'm taking night Jacksonville game. as well. I'm getting points in this one. I think that you got to go back to it, and you got to put the blinders on last week and just eliminate it. I, I would remember, I would remember all those teams we, you know, I've, I've illustrated here coming off the the, Jack, the the stupid London with the bye. They all lose, and they all don't cover. Yeah. And so let's just eliminate that and, and play this week, and I'll play Jacksonville. Uh, Packers at 49ers, 49ers are minus three. Joe, we'll wrap it up with this one. I like San Francisco in this one. 
Uh, great environment for them. Home, biggest home game, biggest home Monday night game since when? I don't even know. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be huge. Arbaugh, this, a million years. Hey, um, there's some great there's some great standalone games because basically there's only two four o'clock games. So you're going to get Pats, Cowboys. Then you're going to get 49ers, Packers, and you're going to get uh, Rams and Ravens on Monday night. So you got to. Yeah, nice, I, I, I like San Francisco game. here. I'll I just agree. Keep it simple. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you know what? Considering how the Packers offensive line struggled when uh, Melvin Ingram and Bosa were attacking yeah. them in San Diego, in, uh, Los Angeles, a couple weeks ago. I can't imagine the fits they're going to have with the 49ers, so I agree. All right, that's the Is the Wrong Team Favorite. Coming up next, we will be joined by John Lobb, the Gridiron Scholar, and we'll wrap up hour number one. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As always, on a Thursday, we check in with the gridiron scholar, John Lobb, who loves his football, his college, his pro football. <laughs> loves his baseball as well, by the way. A very underrated uh, baseball mind in the industry as well. And we're going to break down some of the big games in college coming up this week. I'm going to dive in on some of these odds a little bit later on, Joe and I are going to do a, a deeper dive on some of the FanDuel odds to uh, win the college football title. We'll go through that as well. But, uh, John, happy Thursday to you. Sadly, we are coming to the end of the college football season. we got this week, next week, and then I believe we have the championship weeks, Army-Navy, and then the bowls, right? Is that pretty much it? Yeah, the, definitely the season is quickly coming to an end. The college fantasy football season is actually the shortest of all the fantasy seasons. I mean, it's basically three months long. Most leagues are in their championship games. Some might have it next week. Best balls are coming to an end. But, you know, there's still some good football to be played. I still enjoy the bowl games because I use them as a mechanism for scouting and to see which freshmen and sophomores are going to receive more playing time. But the meat and the potatoes is basically done. We're looking for a few big games now. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that when you get to those bowl games, what's changed significantly, and Joe and I will talk about this later in the show, John, is uh, you know last year I think we had about a dozen kids of relevance that didn't play, and I think we're heading towards even a lot more than that coming into this bowl season. So kind of hard to handicap these because these kids know that their future is in the NFL, and with the college football playoff, if you're not in it, then you're kind of out of it. There's not a real point there. Uh, let's get to this week. Okay, so the big game is Ohio State against Penn State, but is it a big game? I'm not sure. The line is 18. I can't find anybody that's taking Penn State in this one, John. I, I, I just can't find anyone to take them, even with the line being as high as it is. I mean, is just is Ohio State on a mission here? Are they just that good a team? Because I, I feel like Vegas is dragging us to take those points. How can they possibly beat a team that good in Penn State by three touchdowns? But I can't find any of the money on Penn State. Craig, I agree with you. I want to take Penn State. Like, I've been looking at the numbers, and I like this offense, and their defense is very underrated. Now, maybe if the Nittany Lions were home, I could kind of make the argument. But they're traveling to Ohio State, and the Buckeyes are nasty, and they're just so fast, 
and explosive. I, I, I have to give the points and take the Buckeyes. I don't like it, but when I look at the numbers, when I look up the matchup, I just can't justify taking the Nittany Lions in this one. Yeah, it, it's certainly tough to do. What did you make, by the way, of that game? Uh, we got Oklahoma against TCU this week. Most people feel that, and who knows? I mean, Oklahoma's defense is horrible, and, and they may have, uh, <laughs> and, and look, I don't know what to make of them. I know that they're still on the outside looking in, but what did you make of that game against Baylor last week? I mean, Baylor was in that uh, national championship conversation. That was a meltdown like the Falcons' Super Bowl, man. Crazy ending to that. Absolutely. I mean, I just don't understand it. So I'm a little bit old school, and the one thing I've always loved about Bill Walsh and the 49ers, and now Bill Belichick with the Patriots. They put the pedal to the metal. I thought Baylor was playing to run out the clock, and they were hoping that their defense could slow down the Sooners. When you have Jalen Hurts and you have that explosive offense, Craig, you can't stop putting points on the board. You, you made the best analogy. The Falcons did the same thing. I know the Bears had a good defense, but you can't expect the Sooners to lay down. That offense can score points in bunches. I was totally shocked that Baylor gave that game away. I, I'm surprised because the narrative seems to be that Oklahoma won the game. When I watched it, I really felt Baylor lost the game, my friend. Now, now with Jalen Hurts, by the way, in, in virtually everywhere I see, nobody has him predicted to be among at least like even a first-round pick maybe in the NFL draft. Why do you think that is, John? I'm not really sure. Played it, he's playing in a good offense. Lincoln Riley seems to have him going in the right way, made the right call from going to Alabama to Oklahoma. And I, I guess his size is, is not big, but neither was Kyler Murray's. He also can't run as fast as Kyler Murray, but he's also very mobile. I, I think. Don't you think Jalen Hurts is going to be in the NFL? Oh, there's no question in my book, having watched him. And I've moved up to a second-round grade. And we haven't mentioned Tua yet, but now with Tua, this is going to place even more of a premium on someone like Jalen Hurts. I think franchises are going to have to make a decision. Do I want an injured Tua? And we don't know yet totally the recovery process. We're going to find that out. Or do I want like a Jalen Hurts? I think Jalen Hurts might squeeze into the top of the first round, my friend. He is a terrific athlete. Now, I understand that you might have to design an offense a little bit around his skill set. But look at what they've done with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and how the Cardinals are slowly bringing Kyler Murray to prominence in the NFL. Jalen Hurst has similar traits. I don't think he's as good of a prospect as either Jackson or Murray. But I have a second-round grade, and I think on the right coaching, in the right coaching staff, in the right system, Jalen Hurts can play in the NFL, my friend. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he's a little bit underrated. Uh, LSU this week, John, I don't know if you saw this, but they are 43.5-point favorites. <laughs> Over Arkansas. That's the biggest spread in the history of the SEC. So I would assume really? that Yeah, the biggest ever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with Whoa. two SEC teams playing each other, by the way. Two yeah, SEC yeah, yeah. Teams. Yeah. Uh, so let's assume LSU wins. What do, what do you see coming down the pipe here? I, I think that, it, to me, it's a foregone conclusion at this point, and we've seen wackiness happen. But I see Clemson and Ohio State as locks to be in the college football championship. And then you have Georgia playing LSU in the SEC championship. So we'll get some determination there. We got Utah playing Oregon. We only know we know one of those guys are going to advance and then win the Pac-12, but there's still a question as to not where they could get in. And then Oklahoma is just kind of sitting out there. I know they, you know, have some tough games here down the stretch, and they're going to have to play in the Big 12 championship game as well. But how do you see this whole thing playing out? I feel like we know two of the four, I believe. But is there any chance Georgia upsets LSU? You know, I don't think so because while I like the Georgia team overall, I don't think they can slow down the Tigers enough. I mean. Every time I watch this LSU offense, I'm more and more impressed with it. Not just Joe Burrow, and granted, I think he's now going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. 
But when you have Jamar Chase um, and then, uh, sorry, Jamar Jefferson and Chase on the outside, I don't see how Georgia can slow them down. Now, it would be a monumental upset, in my opinion, if the Tigers were to lose that game. Georgia would have to, to me, dominate time of possession. And what I'm talking about is like the Super Bowl with the Giants and the Bills in 1991. Georgia's going to have to control the clock for like 42 minutes. Because if you give Joe Burrow and those receivers – you know, 28 minutes of time of possession. They're going to put 40 points up on the board. So that's a two-loss Georgia. I don't think they get into the playoffs with that. So I kind of think they're on the outside, even though they're ranked number four, which I'm kind of shocked by that, Craig. I don't know if you think that. I don't really think of them as the fourth best team in the country. Obviously, the committee does. And obviously, without Tua, I don't know if Alabama deserves a shot there. They're not going to make the SEC championship game. So I really think it is going to be Oregon or Utah, whoever wins that Pac-12 championship game, and maybe Oklahoma slides in. But, you know, I'm not even sure if Oklahoma runs the table, my friend, the rest of the season. Because you mentioned it. That defense is so bad against the run. That is going to cost them again. Yeah, I, I think they have to put the Pac-12 champion in, man. Like, what, what's the point of having all these conferences? And, look, and I'm an SEC guy, I, you know, of course, going to yeah. the University of Florida and all that. But I got to be realistic here. And if there was ever a year not to include two teams in the SEC, this is it. Like, this is the one. And, John, if, if Tua was healthy and you could set me up for that number one LSU versus number four Alabama rematch on a neutral field, I'm taking it all day long. But the point that I, I'll, I but, agree. But I'm not, I don't I don't want to see it. And, and the other thing that I'm scared of in this one and Joe and I will talk about this in a little bit is that I am scared that we could be headed toward like a, a Notre Dame situation from last year. And I know that Alabama skill wise and talent wise way ahead of Notre Dame, even with uh, not having two of there. But the, the, the committee and, and the team, they got they made a big mistake putting Notre Dame in that championship last year and that uh, college football playoff. They did not not look like they deserved, they deserved there at all. And they moved them down to the point this year where I didn't think that there was any chance that they'd let them sniff it. I mean, Claypool's a great player. But beyond that, they did not deserve to be there. And I don't want to see that again, Joe. I don't want to see an 80% Alabama go against LSU. I don't think it's going to end well for them. I happen to agree with you. And, I mean, I like the narrative of the Pac-12. And I agree with you. I like the conference championship games. And they should mean something. And I understand at times why the SEC has gotten two teams in it. I mean, I could make the argument that that is, I mean, I do think it's the strongest conference in the nation, and they do sometimes have two of the best teams. But when you have a one-loss Pac-12 champion, I don't see how that you can deny them, especially when Alabama doesn't have Tua. I mean, do you, we really want to see Matt, Matt Collins, is it? Is, or, who's the quarterback now? I, oh, my God, I can't even believe I don't remember his name. Who's quarterback in Alabama, Alabama quarterback? Right? Yeah, like do um do we really want to see him in the championship game or the playoffs? Not a one loss, and not when they didn't Mac win Jones. a conference. Yeah, Matt Jones. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see it. Right? It just doesn't. Not when you have like, let's say Oregon wins. You have a top five quarterback right. in the NFL. Yeah. Right. A great offensive line. The Ducks lead the nation in interceptions. So I actually think now I think LSU would win, but I do think that the Oregon secondary can handle the LSU wide receivers as well as they can be slowed down. I mean, that's a monumental challenge. But if I had to bet anyone, I think the Ducks could do it. And why I like Oregon, they have five starting linemen who came back from last season. Yeah. They play great football, and I think they can protect 
the quarterback and run the football against LSU. So at least we'd have a nice narrative in that game that would draw people in, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not ruling out Utah either, though. I will say this. Utah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Utah could definitely give the Ducks a game, but you're right, Joe, and, or uh, John, excuse me. Uh, you're, right, <laughs> no you're, you're right, John. Uh, and look, they lost the first game of the year. They won every game since, right? Like, I mean, there, there's something to be said for that. It was a close game, and, and Auburn ended up beating them in the end. Uh, Utah had a disappointing uh, one game stretch, but I, I I agree with you, man. Like I I think it's time to put the Pac-12 in there, and they may get smoked by Clemson. Literally, they could <laughs> they they yeah. could very well get smoked, but it's time to give them an opportunity. That's kind of the way it, it shakes out. Uh, and real quick before we go, any interesting note or game for you this week, John, that you're keeping an eye on besides anything that we've mentioned before we let you go. No, I actually, you know, we'll never, two weeks ago was just tremendous, tremendous football. But there are a couple games that I do like. You know, interesting, people don't talk about Boston College enough. But, and they're not a great team. But this matchup against Notre Dame has historically been interesting every once in a while. The Eagles go and beat Notre Dame. Now, it's going to be tough. But what the Eagles can do, they can run the football. Yeah, they scored oh some points this year. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do. So if there's a team that is built, to go into Notre Dame, control the clock. And you mentioned Chase Claypool is a legitimate wide receiver. Ian Book is having a fantastic year that people are not talking about. But you need to control the clock against the Fighting Irish, especially if the, if the weather gets a little chilly. I'm very – how many yards will A.J. Dillon and this ground game get? So I think that's a very fascinating game. Now the other big one that I'm really looking forward to – USC is a very interesting team this year. If you have not been watching them, they're on their third quarterback, Craig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's Keenan Slovis. Slovis. And I was yeah. looking, in the last month, he has passed in four games over 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, and he has thrown for over 400 in three of those games. The reason why is because they can't run the football. They literally are, I think, on their fourth running back. They have a true freshman who they wanted to redshirt, my friend, but they had to keep him on the field because they can't. They need someone in the backfield. So I'm looking forward to USC, UCLA, and then, of course, SMU Navy is also a very nice game, you know, in that time slot at 3.30. All right, John, have a great weekend. Appreciate it, and have a good Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you in two weeks. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Enjoy the football. There he is, the Gridiron Scholar, Johnny Lobb. We'll be back with the best of the first hour after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. All right. The world is on the Jets again this week. I, well, I, I, I don't know why, but they are. I mean, this is one of the more popular picks this week. Raiders minus three at New York. Um, I, I, you know, I, I cannot fall back into the trap again with the Jets. I, I, they, I think that this is a big overreaction to beating Washington. And so, look, by Sunday, I may change my mind on this, but I just, I cannot take the Jets. I'm, I'm going to have to side with the Raiders here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we've sat here for the last month talking up the Raiders. How are we gonna how are we gonna screw them now by all of a sudden saying no, they're gonna go and they're gonna lose to the Jets? I know they have to travel, I get it. But you know what? 
this is a team, again, that confidence is building. They're a young team. They're hungry. They can smell the playoffs here. I feel like they're starting to believe in themselves here. And the Jets are not a good football team. Sam Donald continues to make mistakes. Le'Veon Bell is not 100%. He's playing through it. Um, you know, they're limited in what they can do defensively. That's for sure. I know they've had some moments in these games, but look, they've, they've played against Haskins last week. The week before, it was against the Giants. So I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. Raiders are favored. They should be. I understand they're on the road, but I don't see how the Jets win this football game. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Hour number two, if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today.